Welcome to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and find deeper purpose and meaning in your walk with Christ. If you would like more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org. All right. So, uh, Aaron said you guys are good for about 45, 50 minutes this morning, so... All right, just kidding. Open your Bibles to, to uh, the book of Exodus. We're going to go all the way back to the book of Exodus this morning. Um, and I, well, I'm going to read a long text. I don't, I don't normally do that. Um, I normally pick a couple verses and try to just hone in on those two things. But I want you to get an idea and, and a sense of what God is doing right here in the book of Exodus. Now, I want to set the stage for just a moment. And we're talking about a guy named Moses. How many of you ever heard of Moses? All right. Now, Moses, at this time, is he, you know, he's not with the Egyptian, or he's not in Egypt. He's, uh, he's watching his fallen lost sheep. We all know what Moses was called to do, right? He was called to go into, back into Egypt and, and to lead God's people out of slavery. Now, listen. I don't, I don't, I think we are so far removed from this idea of slavery in this country, um, that we don't really understand how horrible it is to be enslaved. If you want to know, or want to have an idea of, of the, the, the type of, of bondage that it creates, then you probably would maybe liken this unto our culture today, where so many people are enslaved by drugs. I mean, we all probably have someone in our family who's been affected by this or a neighbor or a relative of some sort who's, who's been enslaved by the bondage of drugs. They'll do anything for that, for that drug or that, that high that they're craving. Um, and you know, what's funny is, is people, people act out of sort, right? I, I was I was ministering to this guy and and I was picking up his kids and bringing them to church and and uh, he was a great guy, hardworking guy. He got caught up in drugs, and I'll never forget for saying to him one time. I said, "I trust you." I said, "But I don't trust who you are when you are enslaved to this drug." Now we see the horrible effects effects it has on people, and I want you to understand, and I want you to make this correlation, okay? I know it's going to be a stretch, but I want you to make this correlation because it's going to come back around. And I want you to, I want you to think about that in the back of your mind. And, and it's not just drugs that are enslaving people today. It's many other things in this world. And as we read this text about Moses, I want you to think about what it meant to be enslaved in, in Egypt. Okay? Now, we all know that they were... Uh, they were not living the life of luxury like we do here in this country. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. And, and you know, it, um, she said, you were teaching this morning and it kind of stuck out to me. She said, she said, you know, we live, we love to live comfortable lives. And we do, right? I mean, I, I didn't buy my uh, vehicle uh, with springs sticking out of the seats because I like a comfortable seat. Amen. Well, I went to look at couches. I sat down in them, right? I, I, I wanted the comfortable couch, right? I didn't buy, 
You know, I didn't buy the church pew, the wood church pew. You know why they make uh, church pews out of wood and uncomfortable? So you stay awake. That's why we do that, okay? So, you know what? But we, we crave comfort, right? You want people to stop showing up to church? Turn your air conditioning off, right? And, and it's funny. Those are the things that we get upset about, right? We get upset about when somebody infringes on our comfort, right? Listen, I hope this morning's message infringes a little bit on your comfort because I'm telling you, God moves people into action by making them uncomfortable. And we're going to see that in the life of Moses. So starting in Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read 17 whole verses. Can you bear with me that long? Okay, I'll try to make it as entertaining as possible. But it starts in verse 1. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. He was the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Now, this is some pretty cool stuff. I think we read this story all the time, and my kids have probably heard it, heard it a thousand times. But I want you to picture what's going on right here in, in Moses' life. He's walking out. He's, he's a shepherd, right? He's, he's keeping people sheep, sheep. He's keeping his father-in-law sheep. He walks out, and he sees this, this bush, and it's on fire. Now, I don't know about you guys. Fire is okay if I know what's going on, right? How many of you burnt brush, right? Done that, right? Steve, you fought a few a fire or two, amen? All right? It's okay when, you, when you're there and you feel like you got it under control. But here he is walking through the desert and walking through the place, and he look, walks up, and this bush is just on fire, Okay? And in the midst of the bush, he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not what? It didn't burn up. I don't know about you guys. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Moses is not a, a, an ignorant man. He, he looks and sees that this, this bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And, and, and lo and behold, God is definitely trying to get his attention. Amen. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God, called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Hey, Moses! Hey, Moses! And he said, Here am I, Lord! <laughs> now, does Moses know who's calling out to him? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure God did the right thing to get Moses' attention. Imagine showing up to a house fire, Steve, and you walk up and you're getting your hoses out, and he says, Hey, Steve! <laughs> would, you, would you know who's talking to you? Listen to you. I, I'm, I'm telling you, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning, God has called each and every one of you the same way he's calling Moses right now. And the problem is, we're not listening. And I say that nice and loud so you can hear me, but I'm telling you, I tell my kids at church, I'm a youth pastor, and I tell them all the time, I, you may think that you come on that band just to get some free food and have a good time here, but I'm telling you, God is calling you into a relationship with him. And the problem is, we're not responding Church, because we are so enslaved by the sin that so easily is besetting all of us. We forgot what it's like 
to be in bondage by sin. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Notice he says his name twice. What's his attention, doesn't he? He says, I want, you, I want you to hear what I have to say. And he said, draw not nigh unto me, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place that you are now standing is holy ground. <laughs> I hate to go anywhere without shoes. I, I, got, I got nice feet. I got pretty feet. You all might have ugly feet, but I got pretty feet. But I don't like to go anywhere barefooted. You want to know why? It hurts. I'm a tenderfoot. Maybe that's why they're so pretty. I don't know. But lo and behold, Jesus said, or God speaks to Moses. He says, I want you to take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. And he says, don't get too close. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now Moses is getting this message from God. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. Now let me tell you something. Moses knew who these men were. They were a part of his heritage. Amen? We testified about that this morning, about looking around the churches that we grew up in and realizing the heritage that is here of when God's people... I'm telling you, here's what leaves a heritage. When God's people, who know they're called, stand on the promises of God and do things out of character simply by the power that God has resided in their life. God knew that Abraham had an impact on Moses, even though Moses grew up never knowing who he was. Right? How did Moses grow up? He grew up in Pharaoh's house. But God is setting the stage for him to understand that what who is calling him to into action is greater than all the circumstances that led up to being where Moses is right now. Moreover, he said, I am the God of the father of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, why was Moses afraid? Because Moses knew... That God knew everything that Moses had done. And what had Moses done at this point? He committed a crime. What was it? It was murder. Any murderers in the house this morning? They're like, I don't want to confess it, but you know, maybe me. But Moses was guilty of something, and he knew. He knew that God was speaking to him, and he knew that God knew everything that he'd ever done. Man, that's a harsh reality, isn't it? God knows everything that you have ever done, including me. Listen, I I don't want to stand up here and list all my sins for you because I'd probably be extremely embarrassed. But let's just leave it at the fact of saying that we are guilty of a sin even unto death and it holds captive over our lives and we cannot be receptive of that gift until we heed God's call. And that's what's going on. Verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 7 again. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. 
And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses is getting a little scared at this point. He's going to get... You know, because Moses is contemplating what it is that God's called him to do. He says, I want you to go back to the place where you committed that murder. I want you to go back to Pharaoh, who probably wants to see you dead. And you are going to be the one who leads my people out of slavery. Tall order, isn't it? And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh? Isn't that what we do when God calls, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't want me. You, 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 you know all the things I've done. Listen, God doesn't call the gifted. He gives gifts to the called. And he gives the greatest gift to salvation. I'm telling you what, there's not one person sitting in this church this morning who is worthy of God's call. There's not one person sitting here who's worthy. Now listen, I'm a great guy. Just ask my wife. No, seriously, don't ask her. Because she'll tell you all my faults. But I know in my heart of hearts, I'm not worthy of what God has called me to do. And Moses is the same man. God, surely you don't mean me. Who am I that I should go up to Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Are you sure you want me? <laughs> yes. Yes. God wants you. Just as he did Moses. And just as he had a purpose for Moses' life, he has a purpose for you. <laughs> Steve, I got a blessing out of that song this morning. Want to know why? Because you, you are obedient. And it's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> but you know, when we're obedient to God and he says, get up and testify, get up and do this, get up and do that, go out and do this. Listen, I'm telling you what, it's a blessing to be a part of what God is already doing. He said, certainly, I will be with thee. <laughs> you see, we don't go it alone. Certainly, I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. He says, you're going to bring them back here, bud. You're going to go to Egypt. You're going to tell Pharaoh, you're bringing my people out, and you're going to come right back here to this mountain, and we're going to worship together. Same place, different date. You'll be with my people. And I'm going to be with you the whole way. Moses said unto him, God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Who shall I say sent me, God? <laughs> right? There's all kinds of, of versions of this text out there because this is an important part. God is about to establish who he is. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of our salvation. This is the beginning of deliverance of not only the people of Israel, but also the Gentiles later to be grafted in by a man named Jesus Christ who changed everything forever. 
And he uses this same verbiage when he speaks to his people and he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And right here is the beginning of this, right here in the book of Exodus, and God is beginning it. And God says in verse 14, let's look at this. And God said unto Moses, I'm about ready to jump off the stage. I'm so excited about this. Because this is good scripture right here. And God said to Moses, I am that I am. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, you can't sleep through that, can you? <laughs> God is everything that you've ever needed. God is everything that you ever needed. He's the answer to whatever question you've ever had. He is all that you will ever need in this life. And he says it to Moses. He said, I want you to tell him, I am sent you. And he said, thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, and God said moreover unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, here it is again, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob has appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Do you think that was a message? The people who were back in Egypt, slaving away, being beaten, making bricks, probably building pyramids. Man, things were not good for the people of Israel. Amen? When I say it was bad, it was more than just uncomfortable. When they heard this message, or when, 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 when Moses came back and says, I'm going to bring you out of this thing, do you think they were ready to hear that message? You think they were excited about that message? They were like, come on, Moses, let's go. Let's get to walking. Let's get out of here. I'm all about this. I don't want to be in slavery anymore. Listen, I'm telling you what, when we don't share the gospel, I want you to tell, we have the good news of deliverance and, a, and, and being released from bondage of slavery. And there are people out there who need to hear it. They want to hear it and they need redemption. Amen. And the problem is, we are not responding to God. Amen. Who am I, Lord, that you would send me? Listen, you're not worthy. You might as well just get over it. I'm not worthy to stand in this pulpit this morning. I'm not. But I've been made worthy by one who is greater than me, who has started a work in me and has started a work in you and can start a work in you right now. Amen. That will Set the world on fire that is immediately around you. Listen, God has called us to change the world. And Jesus did that, right? This is 2,000 years before Jesus ever shows up. And God is preparing the way for His Son, Jesus, to come on the scene. 
And all throughout Scripture, we see Jesus responding and telling, telling people, he says, I am, and he fills in a, a blank, and, and he, and he explains, he says, he says, well, let's look at it. He says, I am the bright and morning star. I am the bread of life. If you eat from me, you will not grow hungry. He says, I am the light of the world to light the way, and, and there will be no darkness. He says, I am the door. And the opening for people to come into the sheepfold. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And he leads them and they will follow. I am the resurrection and the life. See, God is everything that you've ever needed. And the message you have to carry with you is that there are people out there in this world who are broken and they're dying in their sin, held captive in their slavery, and they need to hear the wonderful gift of God's salvation. And it's up to you to bring it. <laughs> I'm going to read one more passage of Scripture for you. You're like, oh, just shut up, would you? Okay? I will after this. Promise. Revelation chapter 22. Now, we're fast-forwarding through a lot of time. And a lot of wonderful things that are in Scripture. But we come all the way to Revelation chapter 22. How many chapters in the book of Revelation? 22. This is the end. Okay? Here's the cool part. I know what God's got in store. We win. Okay? You want to be on the winning side? Get on God's side. Okay? That's, that's just something right, you know, that's freebie right there. <laughs> Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is coming with me. I'm paraphrasing this because I want you to really get a hold of this. Look, I am. God says, I am coming soon. Jesus says, I am. If you have a, a Bible, look, these pages and these words right here are written in red. You want to know why? This is Jesus speaking directly to you this morning. He says, look, I am coming soon and my reward is coming with me and I will give to each poor person according to what they have done. Whoa, 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 wait. I thought salvation is free. Yeah, it is. You didn't do anything worthy of your salvation, and there's nothing you can ever do that's worthy of your salvation, but it is up to you what you do with it. Put it to good use. Amen? It's like buying you the best tools in the world and never working on a car. Just doesn't make any sense, does it? I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first. I am the last. I am everything in between. I'll put it in vernacular that you young people... God says, I am all that in a bag of chips, man. I have no idea what, where that saying even comes from. I tried to figure it out. It appeared first in 1994 in People magazine. And it was a slang term, meaning, I'm all that, and a bag of chips means, I'm all you'll ever need. I'm the Amalfa and the Omega. I'm everything in between. I got you. Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 14. And blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life. I don't know about you guys. I like milk. 
And I like honey. But I like this whole tree of life stuff a whole lot more. See, the tree of life was first seen in the Garden of Eden. And it was the one tree that Adam and Eve could eat from and have eternal life. The other tree they were told not to eat from was the knowledge, the knowledge or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Sorry, I'm stumbling here. See, that's when the slavery began. When Adam and Eve took a bite of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, it set in motion the slavery of all mankind. But when the tree of life, which is now guarded by God's angels, when we stopped eating from that tree, death entered into this life. My favorite Aaron Swango quote, 100% of every person in this room is going to die. You can't argue with those statistics, right? It's my favorite Aaron Swango. Well, I have many others, and we can talk about those later. He also has a concept of being line leader that I think is absolutely amazing when it comes to pastoring a church. But we are given this opportunity to present the tree of life to a nation and a world who so desperately needs it. The Bible says in verse 15, outside the gates of this city are the dogs. Those who practice magic, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves to practice lies. Verse 16, But I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Jesus said, I'm all that and a bag of chips. And you know what? We've been given the greatest blessing of salvation, the greatest gift ever given to mankind. What will you do with it? What will you do with it? Will you hold on to it? <laughs> As if it's something to be lost? Because it's not. It's something to be shared. It's one of those gifts when you share it, you get that much more enjoyment out of it. Amen? Amen. Maybe you're here this morning. If you never experienced that gift, you've never experienced what it meant to be forgiven of all your sins. What do you mean, all of them? I did some this morning. Yeah, I'm still forgiven. I might do some next week. Yeah, you're still forgiven. See, that's the transforming power of God's forgiveness. It gives us the power to endure even when we can't imagine how we can go on. God's forgiveness has that power. And we've been given a message of hope to give to the world, and it's up to us what we do with it. Thank you for listening to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you and that you will share this with your family and friends. For more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, 
please visit us at stockdaleucc.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at stockdale underscore UCC.